Hello, hello. Welcome to Words and Voices, a little sanctuary, a quiet nook where you'll hear hard, raw, and humbling conversations with some of the best humans elevating humanity. This is for the round pegs and square holes, the misfits, oddballs, weirdos, tinkerers, and thinkers who dig a simple philosophy that one word, one message, one idea, and one voice can change the world. So, without further ado, here's our chief mischief maker, Neelam Tawar. Welcome to Neelam's two-part interview with Neelam Venkat, the general manager for Shanti Nawaz Charitable Trust. It's an organization that provides social services to elderly and disabled people and their families of Indian and South Asian descent. In part one, Neelam talks about her journey from India to Nigeria to New Zealand, what that journey was like and how it drove her into her current role. Hello, Nilima. Welcome to Words and Voices. Hi, thank you, Neelam, for having me on your show. I mean, thank you for being on my show and saying <laughs> yes. You're always be a very, very uh, busy person, so I appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> how is it going for you today in New Zealand, I suppose, and weather-wise and whatnot? Yeah, it's been a good day weather-wise. And it's also been a good day as because we don't have any more of community cases in New Zealand. And it's been day 12 of no community transmission as well. We have a very few cases in managed isolations and thanks to our awesome prime minister. I just was going to say, Jacinda Arden is like beautiful and what a wonderful time to be a woman too, right? Don't you think? Yes. Very, very dynamic young women leader of one of the best in the world, I should say. And you have had the pleasure of meeting her in this person. And, and as has she, she's conferred to you what is the highest civilian award of merit in New Zealand, correct? Yes, that was actually before she became a prime minister. But uh, yeah, it's actually from the Queen of England. <laughs> is it? That's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Your story is so interesting for me. And we've known each other for a very long time. And I don't remember the last time I ever spoke with you. <laughs> maybe 30 years ago maybe. when you were a kid <laughs> maybe when I was a kid maybe when I was a kid but I had somehow watched through Facebook and different social media channels what you were up to and never happened to bring people together and talk about their journeys their stories and there was no way I could not ask like if you'd like to be on <laughs> but your story is so beautiful and I hope that people can take something wonderful out of it too because you had moved to a brand new country at a really what people would call a latest stage in your life with three mm-hmm. young daughters, young adults mm-hmm. by then, I'm sure. Yeah. And you're starting, yeah, and you're starting a new way of life. What was that experience like for you? If I have to start from the beginning, I actually moved from India about 45 years ago to Nigeria. And I think that's where uh, we met your parents, Neelam, <laughs> and yeah. we were all growing up in Nigeria. And it was a very different kind of life in Nigeria. It was more very protected. You know, we were all just housewives there because we were not allowed to work because we didn't have that kind of a visa there. And, uh, well, it was all just life of luxury and, you know, but the kids were small. So my concentration was on the family and the kids growing up. And uh, 22 years ago, we decided to move to New Zealand. That was a time when uh, my children kind of grew up and they needed to go. My eldest daughter wanted to go to a college in somewhere outside in Europe or uh, any other place like that. But we thought New Zealand was a very safe place for the children to grow up. And, it, and it's a very, very, very beautiful country, one of the most beautiful countries in the world. 
and so much far away from everywhere. <laughs> maybe that's <laughs> why it makes people it, still. <laughs> yeah, that's why it makes it uh, slightly untouched and it stays preserved. Yeah, and even today, I think not many people know where New Zealand is because they're trying to club us with Australia. <laughs> I think New Zealand, Australia is one. But anyway, so we came here about 22 years ago, and at that point of time, Nigeria was becoming a little bit unsafe for families to live in. So we moved here, and when we moved here, it was a totally different atmosphere from Nigeria. And uh, here we were on our own; we have to do everything by ourselves. We were not protected by that company providing that environment of just you know everything was in Nigeria. You were an expatriate, but when you came here, you were just an immigrant. So you had to work hard and work your way up. You had no other choice. <laughs> so when I came here, my all my girls were in high school. one had actually passed high school and into college and two were in high school and it was a time where they didn't want mummy to tag along <laughs> <laughs> i know that thing uh, <laughs> i know <laughs> and i was kind of uh, left um, in the house alone and you know no friends nobody and i was thinking oh my god what did i do to myself where have i landed and you know it's a new country and i was not qualified to do anything in this country because here everything needs qualification you had experience in a particular field of work to do your work and i had nothing so actually i was married very young and before moving to nigeria i did not even finish my degree i had to stop my degree because of the changes in my life so practically i felt so low and uh, my confidence took a real hit and i thought oh my god what am i doing? because i saw everybody else was working all the ladies were working it was not like now like back in africa where everybody was having kitty parties and enjoying their life <laughs> no <laughs> and that's when i was started thinking i have to do something with my life you know although it i was still in my middle ages maybe in my 40s late 40 early 40s so i said now nah, i have to do something with my life so that actually started sinking into me that no i have to do something i have to do something so that started off within me and then an opportunity came up for me to volunteer in an organization that worked for senior citizens and uh, one of my friends parents used to go to that center and they said if you just sitting down and doing nothing why don't you come and do some service for the seniors so that's how my journey with shanti nivas started shanti nivas is the organization um, that works for senior citizens in new zealand So that's how it started. <laughs> that part, if you don't mind me, just like going into that for one second. That moment, right when you go into, first of all, it's new territory, right? A second, you're having to reevaluate your own identity and sense of self in mm-hmm. in the context of the, not just the new environment, but within yourself too. And and how you when you were saying that you were feeling low and that confidence factor, right? Were there some very very difficult days where you were thinking of making another decision, like forget this, let's go back, or let's do something different? Were there moments where you were just like, "This is not worth it. I don't want to do this." Would you have moments like that, or something mm-hmm. different? I suppose. No, actually, no, no, no. I actually have a very strong personality, maybe, and a very strong will. I never give up. <laughs> It's just that I didn't get an opportunity before to do whatever I wanted to do. but then i saw this country as having a lot of opportunities if you want to take up those opportunities but because in new zealand you can go and study anytime you want the age is not a barrier for anything you can do so yeah i didn't feel that way maybe a lot of people do feel that way but well i was different i guess yeah. <laughs> so i just went out and look for opportunities yeah and you you just took the situation and you're like well i've been given 
lemons and a few oranges and maybe a grape <laughs> i'm going to make something out of it yeah that's my type of outlook you know is i just can't sit and mop and say oh my god what what happens to my life what can i do and you know i'm everybody's different so i like to have a positive outlook and see okay let me go out there into the new land venture out and see what is available see where i can fit myself you know i'm sure there must be something that will fit me so i always had a passion for social work and that was one thing that was nagging behind my mind that they, i didn't do much in that field because i grew up in a house where i saw a lot of social work being done unofficial social work being done especially my parents my mom oh she was just the auntie of the whole community there and she did so much for the poor she got so many young people married she taught so sent so many poor children to school you know i kind of grew up in that environment and i always had that thing in my mind that i should also help somebody you know i should also go out there and because i i was in a situation where i could help not many people have got that power to help also so i thought maybe you know that would be a good field and that's when when i got this opportunity to go and volunteer in the senior citizen center i said oh perfect let me just go and see what happens so and once i started going there i have started getting involved in that center more and more did you go back to school also did you go back to finish? yes yes i did i did oh my god <laughs> yes <laughs> and when actually when i started working in that center slowly i worked there as a volunteer for 2 3 years and then i became an activity coordinator for the center so it was like a part time job you know that was the first time i got a little bit of salary in my life and oh my god the first salary i got i was so happy <laughs> what did your daughter say what did your daughter say your daughter oh, when are you going for the party when are you going for the party? <laughs> it's not about the money factor neelam is just that you know your self confidence raises that you can earn something it might be a paltry 50 dollars or 100 dollars it doesn't matter that amount gives you so much of a confidence that oh my god you did this you got this money with your hard work you know and you're not dependent on anybody for the first time in your life i could go out and buy otherwise i had to ask my husband for everything So Not that he would say no. <laughs> do you remember what you bought? Like it's just a weird question. Like, did you remember like you going into a store and putting down your ten bucks and buy something? Do you do you have like a memory of something like that? I think I took my kids out for a uh, for a meal. <laughs> that oh. was the first thing I did. <laughs> that's that's what moms would do. Yeah, that's a very yeah, mom thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> and every month I used to go back to my bank account and see, oh, I've got so much money. This much money is added up. You know, end of the day, it would have been two, three hundred dollars. But that. But how amazing you know I love that you said that it's really not about the money it's not about the quantity of money and no. and contribution right contribution can be in time contribution can be in hey can we put people forward there are times I know that I'll get requests you know I'm on different types of groups and we'll see that someone needs blood or we'll see that someone during the pandemic there were so many efforts and I know you have done that yeah, there too So I'm in those groups, and I realized that I could not physically go out with everything that was going on—not with the pandemic per se, but with work—that I was pretty much back to back with all kinds of things. And I was like, "Well, what can I do still, knowing that I have received this message? Who can I go to?" So what I thought was like, "Let me just forward it to three people. Let me do coordination from home if I have to. I know I can talk at three in the morning if I need to because I'm up sometimes at that time." So I think. I think context is really important, right? Because I do meet people that are like, "Hey, we want to do some stuff to help others." And the important thing is, I think I've come to a point where I realize it's not so much about the volume; it's really about us taking that time. Maybe even it's ten minutes in our day to do something for somebody else that cannot return the favor. Yeah, it's the quality 
which actually brings you that satisfaction. And yeah, when in the course of time, when I was working my way up in that organization, a lot of seniors used to come and talk to me about their issues, personal mm-hmm. issues. And I was quite gobsmacked to actually hear the horror stories in some in the life of some people, and especially being seniors and being abused. You know, it was not nice. And that point of time, my boss was also a social worker, and she said, and I discussed with her. I said, look, people are coming and talking to me because I created that rapport with those seniors, and you know they knew that I would listen and, you know, I would keep it, their information safe and they wanted some kind of a guidance. So uh, then she said, look, uh, if you want to go in this field, why don't you go and do some studies in social work? Oh, I said, oh my God, I'm 46 years old. What will I do in a college? (laughs) You know, and she said, no, it is very, very inclusive here in New Zealand. Anybody can go and study anything at any age. Age is not, and you know, go and try. So oh my, I had left school 20 years ago and I said, what will I even do? I don't even know if I can even write an article or, an, or do a paper. But then she said, yeah, it's all about trying. You know, she really encouraged me. And um, off I went and did a, started with a certificate course in uh, social work uh, just, to, just to test the waters to see if I am really up to university. But I think because I have a passion for that subject, I did quite well in that certificate course. (laughs) (laughs) And I went on to do three more years of social work bachelor's degree in bicultural studies. That is uh, in Maori, the local community, and in the mainstream communities. So it was hard work. It was four years of evening college. So work in the morning look after the family in the evening, come back and then go to night college. <laughs> but it's possible, right? So that's the most important thing, correct? It is possible. Most people will, and I'm not, this is not to say the world is divided always in this capacity because we don't really know anybody's situation. So it's not fair to mm. say that, hey, one person can take action and another can't. But it does boil down to how much do you really want that thing and how driven are you for it yeah. that you can actually stick with it long enough to be able to see what can come out of it. because. I think not entertaining possibility and not experimenting enough is also something most people don't do. Meaning like people probably leave within like two days or two years and be like, ah, I don't want to do this. This is not working out or whatever. It works for some people. It might not work for some people. I had a lot of support from my family and my friends uh, without which I could not have managed because, you know, our mom is out the whole day and even the night. <laughs> But anyway, the children were grown up, but still, you know, they need that mother hovering around them sometimes. And my husband was very supportive. And that's how I could get over all the studies. (laughs) And when finally the four years was over and I took all my friends and my family for the degree convocation, (laughs) it was a big, big, big momentous day in my life, which I will never forget. (laughs) <laughs> and they won't either because you know it's so beautiful for and I mean I'm not I know I wasn't part of that journey but you know when you see people strive for something sticking with it and then see that output in something tangible because not everyone looks so for you and I me I suppose we look at contribution in a very different way and we're like I'm cool with this mm. but then when we have people around us they may not translate our contribution in the same way they're trying to understand like, what do you get out of this? And I'm like, it's not really about getting. It's it's about creating. It's about giving. It's about building communities that are hopefully, you know, reinforced as a result of something we did as a collective. Because how you're saying, it, it takes a community. It takes a village to raise one, right? Mm-hmm. And, it does. and you're so fair in that, you know, I say this to myself too. Like when I'm talking to different people, I never tell them, do what I did. 
Like I never tell them, just quit your job and start working for yourself like I did. Because it's not a fair thing to put on anybody. It's just not fair. However, I always remind myself that I had a small savings situation going on. I have an extremely supportive family and how you're mentioning, you know, friends. And then the other part, which I, I don't know if this happened to you too, you somehow try to, you know, the lady you were talking about that you met at the center mm -hmm. who encouraged you and said like, hey, you can actually kind of go apply for this and just get a certification because then it can make it so much easier mm -hmm. for you to do the kind of work you want to do yeah. and adds more structure, I suppose, and formality to the thing that you want to do and create. So it's, you don't always have to have the foundation sorted out before you start. You can actually reinforce the, the, the foundation as you go along. And, and I think most people want to build a castle mm. very quickly. Or they want to build a castle. They have the vision of the castle. But then they don't realize that every piece of stone kind of can be... Cemented first before you put another stone on top of it. It's just not overnight happening. <laughs> yeah. And impatience, our, our generation, whether we like to <laughs> believe it or not, we're very impatient. I always yeah. have this weird joke like, you know, Amazon Prime delivering something three hours later is also too late for me. You know? <laughs> or like I put in an order for food and it's like, I'm like, oh, is it here yet? And I'm like, I just yeah. put all It's like Maggie noodles instant. You never, <laughs> nowadays the generation is used to it, but yeah, but the, for a fruit to ripe, it takes some time, you know, so that's the way you have to go. <laughs> I think that also probably speaks to, so obviously for you, you know, growing up, you were kind of surrounded by a mother who was a very interesting personality, I imagine. I can't imagine her being quiet and sitting still. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but but that environment your parents created for you to be of service in some capacity was always mm -hmm. at the back of your mind. And then somewhere in your life, you continued, you know, maybe not every single day was you were not thinking about it every day. But it stayed with you. And then at some point, the triggers tip, went off. <laughs> uh, yes, the scales tipped. And you took the opportunity mm. and it wasn't an easy ride. I think if you look at it in hindsight, it almost feels like it's obvious that you would end up here. Do you ever feel like that? Um, you know, fate plays a lot of different way in ways in everybody's lives. I think the fate was much kinder to me <laughs> because I had the supports for, to, for me to do what I wanted to do. Not many women, uh, Leelam, get that kind of support also. Yeah. Uh, especially in our cultures, you know. So for me, it's about empowering and liberating the people I work with and to look for the potential in them. And, you know, the lady I spoke about who guided me. So I'm kind of taken up her role now, you know, in my position. And whoever is now working under me, I always encourage them, okay, you can do this, you can do this, come on, you know. Go get this uh, certificate, studies done, go and do this training, and whatever knowledge I have gained, I am very happy to pass on that knowledge. To no, I know it's not, I'm not saying I am have great knowledge, but whatever little knowledge I have got in my field, I always try to teach it to the other people so that, you know, I can create a system where it's just not one person, but where the knowledge is going down. If today I'm not there, somebody else has to take my place and somebody else will come after them so they can share that knowledge as well with them. I'm so glad you brought that up because that's the interesting thing, right? Like you're not creating for that for just now. You already maybe, you know, I feel like you're thinking 30, 40 years ahead. How do you keep the vision and the mission that you have in mind of, you know, being of true service mm. in the capacity of what your community and your um, institution also represents, that that obviously keeps going on in the 
in the best way possible because you can't control it after a certain point anyway. Yeah, everybody has to retire. Everybody, you know, things have to move I, on. I don't see you retiring. So let me stop you there. <laughs> when I joined the organization, it was just my boss and it was me. But today we have a staff of about six people and I'm the general manager of the organization. So we have branched out into various other services as the years went by. And we would like the services to keep going, whether I'm there or not, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> I suppose you may not think of things this way, but I am going to ask, do you think about the next thing you might want to do? This, of course, but how, not just building on top of this, but do you ever think about what else, what other area you might want to go, think your feet into? At the moment, I have done a lot of work. So before I tell that I have to do what I'm doing, actually, now. <laughs> a lot of work in the community with senior citizens and their families. So when I joined this center, we had only day programs running for seniors. But then later on, uh, we created a space where we work in the elder abuse field because that was my passion. And as a social worker, I could, and as an educated, I mean, uh, social worker, I could actually get into that field and help and support the seniors. Because the training actually teaches you so many things. It teaches you how to say no, it teaches you your boundaries and, you know, things like that. Apart from that, I have started um, an emergency housing for older people in New Zealand. It's sad to say that this happens in our community, but I suppose it happens in every community now because of so much of change in the culture and things like that. Then, uh, then I, you know, I also started a visiting service because some of our seniors cannot come to our programs. About 400 seniors come to our various centers in Auckland, 400 every week. Wow. Yeah. So some of them are housebound or in rest homes, so they can't come. So we have trained people who say we send them as visitors there. And then uh, we also go and do a visit in the prisons, the women prisons. So I have connected seniors to those prisoners. There are a few South Asian women, not too many in the prisons, but because of cultural stigma, once they are in the prison, nobody wants to have anything to do with them, especially the family. So there's a lot of isolation there. So we, our seniors are connected there. So they go there once, twice, thrice a month, sit with them, have a chat with them, you know. So for me, even if one woman inside is reformed and comes out and doesn't go back into the criminal world, it's job well done. So we can't change the whole world. We can only change small, small bits in this world, you know. And uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm just taking all of that in. I say the thing, I, I say, it, I know we're just connecting right now, but I always say that I work with N to the power of one, right? So I mm. always think of N as one. And we both share the same first letter, which is kind of crazy. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's correct. You know, everybody's different and the world is too big. One, uh, when you come out of social work, college, the first thing you think is, oh, you'll go out there and change the world. And then you kind of know the reality. Oh, no, you can't do that. So you only change it where you can. So my aim and goal has been to create positive lives for senior citizens so they can live in this country in a positive and independent and empowered way. So some of the theories we use at work are empowerment models and, you know, strength-based models. There is a... Chinese saying, you know, there's a fisherman. If you give him fish, that's not going to help him, but teach him how to fish and he can live a happier life. So that's kind of thing. That's one thing that actually inspired me. So, you know, just empowerment for me is not just doing things, but teaching them how to live a good life, you know, teaching them to do things which they can't do. And I'm sure if you give that opportunity, people do change and learn and just don't get dependent on somebody else. And in that way, they change their lives so that was part one of Neelam's interview with Neelam Avenkat. On the next episode of Words and Voices, you'll hear part two of that interview, where Neelam talks about empowerment, empathy, 
and how she has learned so much from the people with whom she has worked. Thanks so much for stopping by Words and Voices with Neelam Tawar. We can't wait to see you again with another voice and more words from game changers, movers and shakers, and quiet visionaries creating a dent in the world. Oh, and please don't forget to comment and share what resonated with you here or on info at neelamtawar.com. Till we meet next, and as Neelam says, be good to you.